Welcome back to this week's episode of The Emily Show, and it's the holiday season, so of course everything is popping off. But before we get into that, let Green Chef take the work out of clean eating for you this holiday season. They have chef-crafted, nutritionist-approved recipes featuring fresh ingredients with nothing artificial. For Green Chef's best deal of the year, for $250 off with code EMILYBAKER250 at greenchef.com slash EMILYBAKER250. We've got to dive in to everything that is going on with the Murdoch Clerk of Court, as we have dubbed her Courthouse Becky, but Clerk of Court Rebecca Hill, because right before Thanksgiving, her son was arrested. He is accused of wiretapping. We are going to go through the very brief probable cause affidavit, the news reporting, if this could in any way be connected to the Murdoch new trial motion that very much points the finger at Clerk of Court Becky Hill, though she denies tampering with the jury, which is exactly what Murdoch's legal team has accused her of. Whether or not this is connected, why I think it's possible that it is. And we're going to get into a rare episode where the court process is just at the very, very beginning. In fact, the very first court appearance because the son is out on bond the very first court appearance is going to be right before this episode airs. So he will be back in court this week before this episode airs. If there's updates from that, I will make sure to addendum this. Otherwise, you're going to have to keep an eye on the Lawnard app for the next time I talk about this. And with all of that, we need to get into today's podcast because wow, wow. Wow. I was not expecting this was this was so far afield from anything I expected to continue to go on with this Murdoch case that I looked at it and I went, why is everything dropping at Thanksgiving? Well, who knows? But here we are. Welcome to The Emily Show. I'm Emily D. Baker, the Internet's go to legal analyst and big fan of the cursey words. I've been a licensed attorney for over 17 years. I'm a former prosecutor, and I break down the legal side of pop culture and entertainment stories we can't stop talking about. We should just get into it. Let's go. I think what might be helpful first as we dive into this episode is doing a little bit of a background on what's going on with Team Murdaugh's motion for new trial and their appeal as a way of a of a road so far before we get into this wiretapping arrest and what's going on with Jeffrey Hill, clerk of court Becky Hill's son. So before we get to that, Alec Murdaugh's legal team filed to stay essentially their appeal, asking the appeals court to pause their appeal and allow them to make a second motion for new trial. The first motion for new trial that they made to Judge Newman was denied. They made a second motion. Well, they asked the appeals court to stay the appeal so that they could make a second motion for new trial. That has to be based on newly discovered information. They put out a entire motion accusing clerk of court Becky Hill of tampering with the jury, including some affidavits and some the paralegal said that a juror said. The affidavits indicate that they saw private conversations between the clerk of court, courthouse Becky. This is why we call her courthouse Becky, because saying clerk of court Becky Hill constantly becomes quite a lot. But saying that 
Becky Hill was having private conversations, one-on-one conversations, conversations in the bathroom with one of the jurors who became the foreperson, accusing her of of, uh, fabricating a Facebook post to kick off a juror who Becky Hill had had a conversation with and believed they allege was leaning towards the defense um, or leaning towards not guilty before the close of evidence, had asked jurors to disregard what Murdoch said in his testimony, had inquired which way jurors were leaning, a whole bunch of stuff that was absolutely and completely improper if it is proven to be true. Things that could, if proven to be true and accurate, warrant a new trial. If the court clerk is tampering with the jury, not only can it be criminal, but it is a huge issue and could cause a new trial again, if true. The prosecution had SLED begin to investigate and filed a motion denying these allegations, bringing in affidavits from other jurors who said they never witnessed any of this going on. They didn't see this. An affidavit from Becky Hill herself saying this is not what happened. She didn't intercede with the jury. And while all of that was going on, Team Murdaugh went to the Supreme Court, not the Court of Appeals, the Supreme Court, and asked them to remove Judge Newman from hearing the motion for new trial because of an inquiry into a juror that was ultimately excused from the jury for having conversations about the case outside of the jury with tenants of an apartment building. There's, I have multiple videos breaking it down on my YouTube channel. If you're interested in all of the deep dive into those motions, that juror was removed. But in SLED's investigation, I'm curious if that's what brought up some of what's going on here or if the two things are just completely coincidentally unrelated. But in SLED's investigation and in the state's motion, And in the defense's motion, they all talk about this conversation between Judge Newman, Clerk of Court Becky Hill, the defense and the prosecution with regard to this juror, the egg juror, who ended up being removed, not for anything to do with any Facebook posts or posting on social media, but because that juror was proven to be having conversations about the case outside of deliberations. But in that, Judge Newman made a comment in a chambers conference that he was unhappy that the clerk had had a conversation one-on-one with the juror about that circumstance, which means truly Judge Newman could be a witness to that circumstance. And if Becky denied that conversation happened or something, Judge Newman could be a witness impeaching the clerk of court. So the defense made a motion to have Judge Newman removed from consideration of that motion for new trial and then from all other things with regard to the Murdoch case. Judge Newman voluntarily recused himself from considering the motion for new trial that is centered around what the jurors were or were not um, told by the clerk of court if they were, in fact, tampered with by the clerk of court and if any of this needs to go to an evidentiary hearing or not. I think with looking at the potential appearance of impropriety, Judge Newman decided this This is never going to go well. It's appropriate to recuse off of considering the new trial motion. Judge Newman did not remove himself off of anything else, and the Supreme Court denied the defense's motion on all fronts. They denied the motion to recuse Judge Newman off of the motion for new trial because it was moot. Judge Newman had already decided to recuse himself, and they denied 
the motion as to any other hearings, trials, or motions regarding Murdoch. So essentially, the defense lost that motion to the Supreme Court. But as to the motion for new trial, it was moot because Newman said, you know what? We're going to just let another judge decide this. I think it's the right call. It takes the fighting that Judge Newman was too involved with the case away from it and lets another judge decide if the threshold is really met to have an evidentiary hearing where you drag in all of the jurors, sit them on the witness stand, and start inquiring one after the other what went on with the clerk of court if the defense has even met that burden. And with the prosecution's motion, a judge might find that the defense hasn't met their burden. And if Judge Newman were to do that, the defense would throw up their hands and say, he's just protecting himself or he's just protecting the clerk of court. And allowing another judge to make that determination takes that argument away from Team Murdaugh, takes away the appearance of impropriety, and allows another judge to look at this with fresh eyes. So, two things were going on with regard to the clerk of court. One, should Judge Newman recuse himself, which he chose to? Two, should they be granted a motion for new trial? And they are going to be hearing those motions in front of another judge. The reply isn't due yet, but that will be coming down the road to see if, the determination is to see if you get to have the motion for new trial, if you need to have the evidentiary hearing, and if a new trial is ultimately granted. So that's what's going on with the motion for new trial. Part of the problem here is that Becky Hill, the clerk of court, wrote a book. Yep, wrote a book about the Murdoch trial. And this is the elected clerk of Calton County. So an elected official wrote a book. There is some controversy about whether or not the ethics committee cleared the book, whether they were clear on exactly what the book was going to be about. But Becky Hill and excerpts of the book that the defense included in their motion that I covered over on YouTube said things like we, when referring to herself and the jurors, talked a lot about the jury view at Moselle. I feel like I might have to read this book and that the the Lawnard book club is not far away. But you let me know. Maybe we'll just put it in the app. <laughs> we'll put the Lawnard Book Club in the app for whoever whoever's interested. But I also don't know if I if if I can support any of this. It's just a t- how many cases are are we talking about right now where somebody wrote a book and it turned out to be a fucking terrible idea? At least two at the moment, which is too too many. So Becky Hill's book and Keefe D's book are both books that should have waited. Should have waited, should have waited. But Becky Hill's book seemed to spark off all of this. And one of the jurors is real salty about the way that the clerk talked about them in the book. Don't talk shit about the jurors. You're the elected clerk of court. People are uncomfortable enough. Oh, gosh, it's it's happening. It's just happening. It's hard enough for jurors spending weeks out of their life at minimal pay serving a civic duty that is the cornerstone of the American criminal justice system, which is a juror of your peers, to turn around and have an elected official write a book talking smack about some of them. It's completely unfair to them. It doesn't treat them with dignity. Most of the judges I have ever worked with and those that I know treat jurors with the utmost respect, will will absolutely 
lamb blast attorneys for wasting juror time because the judges know that the jurors, especially in criminal law, are the cornerstone of how it all works. And if you do not treat jurors with respect, what they're going to do is at their next holiday gathering, turn around and look at their friends and families and be like, yeah, I served jury duty. Just look, man, I don't know if they really punish you if you don't go, but it was awful. Just don't answer those summons. It's not worth it. What you want is for people to have a good experience, to feel that the judge and the court staff treated them with respect, to feel like they did a very important civic duty, which they do. What they don't need to be worried about is that the elected official clerk of court is going to write a book and then talk smack about them. It's completely disrespectful. I understand writing about this case. I understand wanting to write a book. I don't understand wanting to talk about the jurors. I don't. It's disrespectful for me. So am I surprised that some of the jurors were salty at the elected clerk of court? Yep. I know that when I have seen judges be less than kind to jurors, most of those jurors will report the judge to the judicial council. Look, when people are taking time away from their families, their jobs, their lives, what they don't need is for anyone in the judicial system to treat them poorly. And they do not take kindly to it at all. So I'm not surprised that jurors here stated that they were displeased with how they were portrayed in Courthouse Becky's book. So we know that an investigation started by SLED into what was going on with court clerk Becky Hill because SLED is working with the prosecution to investigate whether or not there was jury tampering. And if there is jury tampering, then you've got to deal with whether or not somebody needs to be held responsible in more ways than one. So we know that SLED had an investigation because of this motion filed by Dick and Jim et al several months back, asking for um, or alleging jury tampering. We are now to November 22nd. It was the eve of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving Eve Eve. And the clerk of court's son, Jeffrey Hill, is arrested on charges of wire tampering, intentional inception, use, or disclosure of any wire, oral, or electronic we're going to talk about what all of that means after we take a break for our sponsor. Just because something's a little stinky with this case doesn't mean you have to be. Yes, today's sponsor is Lumi. Lumi is a whole body deodorant that not only has been tested at my house on myself, but also on my teen. And that is really putting products to the test. I love that you can use Lumi anywhere on the body, but they also have deodorant wipes that are easy to throw in your bag to go. And unlike other products, it is pH balanced, baking soda free, and paraben free. If you haven't tried Lumi before, the easiest way to get started is with their starter kit. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, a cream tube deodorant, and then you can pick two products of your choice. I really like the mini body wash and the deodorant wipes, which are perfect for on the go. I send them with my teen for long days of band. And as a special offer to Emily Show listeners, you get $5 off Lumi Starter Pack with our exclusive code. And for a limited time, 
I mean, it is the holidays. Returning customers can get $5 off their next purchase of $30 or more. We've got something for everybody. Use code LONARD at lumideodorant.com. That's L-U-M-E-D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T.com. Thank you, Lumi, for making this holiday season smell a whole lot better. Let's get back to today's episode. I will make a note and say, I generally do not cover stories that are only in the media. I like to wait until stories have court process. The South Carolina Post and Courier posted the arrest warrant and affidavit, and seeing that this already has case numbers and next court dates, I was confident that we would see this go through the court process, and that is why I'm covering it in these very, very early stages of the case, because we do have some court documentation, and because, A, I'm gripped, and I can't believe there's more going on with court clerk Becky Hill, and B, wiretapping is a very specific thing, and C, Becky Hill's son, Jeffrey Hill, also works for the county. So he is not just really accused of wiretapping, but it seems that this came up in his professional setting, and we're going to talk about that too. Sled charges son of Colton County clerk of court with wiretapping is the headline here from the Post and Courier. All right, this is coming out of Walterboro. State law enforcement division agents have charged Colton County Technology Director Jeffrey Colton Hill with wiretapping in connection with an illegally recorded phone conversation earlier this year, authorities say. He was just charged and arrested. The actual conversation that was alleged to have been tapped was earlier this year. It goes on to say details on the case remain scarce. It is unclear if the charge is related to a sled investigation into alleged jury tampering by his mother. It goes on to say details on the case remain scarce. It is unclear if the charge is related to a sled investigation into alleged jury tampering by his mother, Colton County Clerk of Court Rebecca Hill, in the Alex Murdaugh double murder trial. Rebecca Hill has denied those accusations, which were leveled by Murdaugh's legal team. Not only has denied them, but the prosecution is fighting them as well. It goes on to say, in an arrest warrant, SLED alleged that Jeffrey Hill has misused his job as the IT director to intercept and listen in on a July 20th phone call between two people unaware they were being recorded. If you are the head of the IT department, or if you are the IT director for the county to intercept inappropriately phone calls, I have a very hard time believing that you're getting caught on the first go-round. I imagine that this investigation is still ongoing. Again, these are all accusations and an arrest warrant. There is an entire court process that has to happen. You are innocent until proven guilty. But when we are talking about tech crimes, I tend to find people are not caught the first time. It's just my experience. And I have to wonder if this, we'll get to it. I I just have to wonder if all of this is unearthed because SLED is looking into those jury tampering allegations, this is too coincidental for me. Maybe it is just the biggest coincidence in the world, but wouldn't that be odd? It goes on to say that SLED agent 
uh, Akil Crosby wrote that Hill's computer IP address was linked to the call in phone records. It's unclear whose call he allegedly intercepted because authorities redacted the participants' names. Colton County Administrator Kevin Griffin. Any relation to Jim Griffin? I've got questions. Why does everyone seem to have the same? No, I've got questions. Any Is Kevin Griffin related to Jim Griffin? I need to know. Um, Colton County Administrator Kevin Griffin said Jeffrey Hill was fired from the county the morning he was released from jail. The department he once oversaw is responsible for the day-to-day operation of the county's technology, including its telephone and computer systems, according to the county's website. Yeah, county IT, and I worked with county IT off and on at the DA's office just because they denied us access to websites or gave us access to websites, or we had to tell them, depending on the cases we were working on, what we were doing, they helped fix our email. Like they did everything and had access to what our agency was doing. But I imagine to what all the other agencies were doing as well, because those are county agencies. Jeffrey Hill, 34, was arrested November 21st and booked into the Colton County Jail. Records show at a bond hearing, the judge ordered that he be released on $20,000 personal recognizance bond. Jail officials, however, blocked a post and career reporter's access to the jailhouse courtroom, saying he arrived too late to be allowed in. Well, they do that if you are not there before it starts. The proceedings had begun a few minutes earlier. Jeffrey Hill declined to comment on the charges when approached as he walked out of the county jail. Fitz News reported earlier that SLED agents had also seized a cell phone from Rebecca Hill as part of the probe into her son's activities. Her attorney, Justin Bamberg, did not immediately respond to a message from the Post and Courier. So not only are we talking about Rebecca Hill's son, Rebecca Hill being an elected official, her son being the head of IT or was the head of IT for the same county where she's an elected official, but we're also seeing reports that Becky Hill's phone has been taken as part of this investigation, which leads me to believe that this investigation at least has probable cause beyond what was on Jeffrey Hill's computer. Because if it didn't have probable cause beyond what was on his computer, there's no way law enforcement can legally take Becky Hill's phone. But that's why I have so many questions. If this did not, maybe it's completely unrelated to Murdoch. But what is going on? He's the director of technology for the same county where his mother serves as an elected official. And in this investigation, her phone's being taken as well. There's been some updated reporting on this from Fitz News. We are going to go take a look at that. Thank you to our sponsor, OneSkin. OneSkin, if you haven't heard of them, is the world's first skin longevity company. OneSkin addresses skin health at the molecular level, targeting the root causes of aging so skin feels and appears younger. What I appreciate about OneSkin is not just is it incredibly hydrating, but you have two products, a moisturizer and an eye cream, and both of those are packaged so that you can refill them. I also find that because it is so hydrating, I do not go through this moisturizer as fast as I have with less hydrating products in the past. And as we're getting into colder weather season, having chapped, dry, tight skin is not anything anyone wants to feel. But with one skin, you can bring back the healthy, hydrated glow 
that maybe you thought was only reserved for the uh, the days of the humidity. If you're ready to get started on your new face, eye, and skin routine, you can do that at a discount today. Get 15% off with code LAWNARD at oneskin.co. That's 15% off at oneskin.co with code LAWNARD. We only have one body, one skin, and you can choose to make it better. Age healthy with one skin. Let's get back to today's episode. So this is reporting coming from Fitz News on November 25th, 2023, shortly or just a few days before I'm recording this. Calton County arrest sparks Murdaugh retrial speculation. With so many questions swirling around this week's arrest of Jeffrey Hill, son of Calton County, South Carolina Clerk of Court, Becky Hill, Fitz News says that they felt it important to walk through everything known about the situation. As our or as their reporter Andy Fancher reported earlier this month, agents in the South Carolina State Law Enforcement Division, SLED, were called to investigate allegations of eavesdropping from within the county administration's technology department. By who? I want to know by who. Two weeks after the report was published, their reporters report that this was going that this was going on. Two weeks after Francher's report was published, Jeffrey Hill was arrested by deputies of the Calton County Sheriff's Office and charged with a singular count of wiretapping. Quote, the defendant did willfully and feloniously intercept electronic phone communications, according to the probable cause affidavit, which we're going to get to in a minute, accompanying a warrant for Hill's arrest. He was employed as the Calton County Information Technology Director and misused his position to unlawfully intercept and listen to conversations. Even though there's one count, that does not say a conversation. That says conversations. Fitz News is reporting that additional charges could be forthcoming, and they cite to sources close to the investigation. As of this writing, Hill's name has been removed from the county's website, although there has been no official announcement regarding his status, though we've seen the Post and Courier um We've seen the Post and Courier report that he was fired on the 21st, the day that he was arrested. It goes on to say, according to sources familiar with the ongoing investigation, Hill was accused of illegally recording conversations involving Megan Utsi, U-T-S-E-Y, the deputy administrator for Calton County. While no immediate correlation has been made between the allegations against Jeffrey Hill and the ongoing Murdoch saga, Francher did note in his report that Becky Hill was forced to surrender her phone to SLED upon the issuance of a search warrant Tuesday evening. There has to be due process to get that search warrant. There has to be some probable cause for a judge to sign a search warrant. So there is some connection between these charges, or there should be. If there's not, there's a huge problem um, that I'm sure will come to light through attorneys, including Becky Hill's attorney, Justin Bramberg, who has been not only is also an elected official in South Carolina, but has represented numerous Murdoch victims and seems to have no love lost with the Murdoch legal team. So if there is no connection, we will see the attorneys coming out fighting that search warrant tooth and nail. I've seen no statements by Justin Bramberg about that whatsoever, that this is wild police overreaching, that they should have never taken her phone. A judge has to sign off on that warrant. There has to be cause for it. It might not be related to Murdaugh, but it's got to be related enough to Becky Hill. The fact that she's his mom at 32 or 34 years old is not going to be enough to get a warrant. There has to be something connecting the allegations of wiretapping and Becky Hill's phone. 
So the fact that they were able to get a search warrant on her phone is very, very interesting to me, considering how much is ongoing and considering that Fitz News is saying that part of that, part of that wiretap was involving the deputy county administrator. So someone else in administration in Colton County. What in the world is going on? Though this this particular call is alleged to have taken place in July before the Murdoch trial ever happened, I have to wonder if the investigation into Becky Hill is part of what turned all of this up. So we're going to look at that initial reporting from Fitz News real quick, and then we're going to go to the affidavit. And this is titled from Fitz News, SLED Investigating Official Misconduct in Calton County, Computer Tech Under Investigation from November 6th and updated November 22nd. Agents of SLED are investigating allegations of misconduct from within Calton County, the domain of convicted killer Alec Murdaugh. On March 2nd, 2023, the disgraced attorney was sentenced to life in prison following an internationally televised spectacle from the Calton County Courthouse in Walterboro, South Carolina. As this news outlet has noted, though, the Murdaugh saga is one of many true crime dramas still unfolding on the front porch of the Lowcountry. On September 8th, 2023, SLED was requested by the Office of South Carolina's 14th Circuit Solicitor Duffy Stone to investigate allegations of misconduct from within the county administration's technology department. Here's what's interesting about that to me. Duffy Stone's office was recused late or recused themselves very late off of the murder investigation into Alec Murdaugh. And it didn't take that long after Duffy Stone's office recused themselves for the AG's office to uh, come in and charge Alec Murdaugh with the murder of Maggie and Paul that he's since been convicted for. But when we're looking at all of this, here's what's strange to me. The Fitz News is reporting that on September 8th, SLED was requested by Duffy Stone, the 14th Circuit Solicitor, to investigate misconduct from within the county administration's technology department. That investigation turned up the arrest of Jeffrey Hill, clerk of court Becky Hill's son. The motion to suspend the appeal and for leave to file a new trial that accused Becky Hill of jury tampering was filed September 5th, three days before Duffy Stone's office requested an investigation. And here's my question. Are those two things related? Are Alec Murdaugh's attorneys, who are also honored to represent him and friends of Alec Murdaugh, Duffy Stone, who was friendly enough with Murdaugh that his entire office needed to recuse themselves, the 14th Circuit, where Alec Murdaugh's dad and great-granddad and great-great-granddad were all solicitors for a hundred years almost, that office, three days after the clerk of court is accused of jury tampering, starts the investigation that then, at least in part, turns up the arrest of her son. Is who requested Duffy Stone to start looking into this? Who was knocking on this door? Or did Duffy Stone, three days after Becky Hill's accused of jury tampering, go, you know what? Something's up in the technology department. The timing is too close together for me. There, what, what was suspected 
in all of this that we just don't know yet. There is so much more to this that we don't know, but I'm just wondering if Putin, Jim, this is, this is Emily's speculation. I'm just wondering if in turning over every stone that Putin, Jim, were also running down these rumors and asked Duffy Stone to look into it. And because those relationships seem to be good enough, that maybe Duffy Stone would actually say, yeah, we'll take a look at it. If you're hearing these rumors, we should look at it. Wiretapping shouldn't be going on. The timing of when it's uncovered with these two family members both having allegations leveraged against them so close in time seems too far coincidental in this world of Murdoch for me to just write it off as, well, isn't that timing interesting? It's a matter of days. That timing's not interesting. That timing seems uh, sus. It seems sus. Or connected. Maybe it's not sus. Maybe the sussy thing is the hills. It's possible. I don't know. But could this also be the Murdoch's going to any lengths necessary to get Alec Murdoch off of these murder convictions? Or do we have a situation where what's going on in Colton County has a lot of corruption, and you've got an IT director that may well be listening in on calls. Here's the thing about computer crimes. They're pretty traceable. So if he's been charged with one, we'll see if other charges come. It's already been transferred out of Colton County. The courts have already been transferred. Where is it going to go? Right? Where is this going to end up? It's a very, very interesting, I don't know, congruence of circumstances. We need to go take a look at the actual affidavit and arrest warrant. More is going to be coming out about this case. I want you to tell me if you are as as just now wrapped with this case as I am. Like I'm I'm invest I'm invested in all of it. They are going to keep pulling threads on this case and I am here to see how, you know, the sweater unravels. Emily, are you thinking of Weezer? Yes. If you want to destroy my sweater. Yes. That, yes, that's what I'm thinking of. How far is this going to continue to unravel? Not just in Colton County, but in South Carolina. Uh, I started looking at this case at the side of the road incident, which to memory was also a September, but a couple of years ago. That's when I was like, wait a second. A prominent attorney with all this suspicious stuff going on around his family was just shot in the head at the side of the road. And then he was arrested not that long after. I was like, what? That's when I got invested in the Murdoch saga and started diving deeper into what was going on. And it feels like they're just continuing to pull these threads. But is the end of this thread that they're tugging on larger corruption in Colton County that actually might have been working against Murdoch? Or was it not working against Murdoch and it's just set up to look this way so there's an out on this murder conviction? I don't know the answer. That is all a ton of speculation, more than I generally do on any of these podcasts. But it is so freaking weird to me 
that this investigation starts just a few days after these groundbreaking, earth-shattering jury allegate jury tampering allegations. And then we see the state side of the jury tampering allegations. And sleds like a lot of the jurors say that never even happened. Is it just jurors that are mad at Becky for writing a book or not? I still don't know. Will we get a hearing on it? I don't know. What what is going to come out at press conferences after Murdaugh's sentencing this week? I don't know. I think most of you will have watched it live with me. And if you hadn't, it's up on YouTube. Go watch it live now. If you had the Lawnard app, you would have known it was happening. So if you haven't downloaded it yet, it's free. Go ahead. All right. We're going to get into this um, arrest warrant and affidavit real quick. All right. Some of this has been redacted. Thankful, thankful to the media entity that redacted it. This is from the Post and Courier. Uh, Jeffrey Hill, Walterboro, South Carolina, from the State Law Enforcement Division SLED. Uh, wiretapping, intentional interception. It gave the code section for South Carolina and the offense code. Let's get to the affidavit. On or about July 20th, 2023, while in the city of Walterboro, the county of Colton, the defendant Jeffrey Colton Hill knowingly committed the offense of wiretapping in violation of South Carolina law in that the defendant did willfully and feloniously intercept electronic telephone communication between the victims, names redacted. On this date, the defendant was employed as the Calton County Information Technology Director and misused his position to unlawfully intercept and listen to the conversation between the victims. A search warrant was obtained for the phone records, which confirmed that the conversation was recorded by IP address listed and redacted, which was assigned to the defendant's computer. The defendant was not a party to the communication, and neither victim were aware that they were being recorded, nor had they given consent for their conversation to be recorded, this being a violation of Section 17-30-20 South Carolina Code of Laws. So this is the brief overview of what they're alleging went down. This is from July 20th, 2023. What I want to go back and look at, and I hope that you are thinking the same thing I am, even though the motion to suspend the appeal was filed in September, I want to look at when those conversations were happening with jurors. I'm wondering what rumblings were going on about the jurors when and before this was filed, because this is a few months after the verdict. The verdict was in March. This is July. But I'm very curious when the conversations with the jurors were happening with the defense team. So to assuage my curiosity, we're going to go look at the affidavits that are attached to that motion and see when they are signed. The first one is signed August 14th. The second is signed August 6th um, from Holly Miller, who went to go meet with the jurors. Um, the, the meeting happened on August 6th, but the affidavit is from September 1st. From all of the affidavits that are attached, it looks like these conversations were happening in August. I just wonder how much the defense was trying to have these conversations before that. And here's why I say that. Because in a lot of the filings by defense and in some of the statements by the jurors in the prosecution statement, they said that they did not want to talk to the defense and that they were uncomfortable that the defense was threatening to subpoena them. I just wonder how long they were banging down doors to have these conversations. And the defense was vague as to when they started knocking on doors 
and when they started looking into what was going on with the jury, because in media statements, Jim Griffin has said it was not that long after the verdict in March that they said you need to look at what went on with the jury. The prosecution argued that all of this was untimely because it needed to be brought as soon as it was discovered. And if that was brought in March, then September is too late. So if the defense was looking at this in July and trying to have these conversations in July or or asking around about this, could these things be connected? I don't know. But the fact that Becky Hill's phone was taken via a search warrant made me sit up and take a look at this as being more than two people who are related. This is the elected clerk of court, her son, the technology director, who's now charged with and accused of wiretapping a phone call between what one outlet is reporting to be another county administrator. And the clerk of court who is accused of jury tampering has her phone taken under a search warrant in connection with the entire thing. And they started this investigation three days after the motion accusing her of jury tampering was filed. That's a lot going on for me. I want to know if you think that that's quite quite a lot. I want to know your thoughts on it. And because I record these with our members, I'm going to take a look at what questions they have about this episode real quick. David Kamikaze said, question, let's say this isn't related to Murdoch. Could this investigation into wiretapping still affect or be grounds for a new trial, i.e. guilty by association? I don't think guilty by association. The fact that Becky Hill's phone was taken is very curious to me. If this has nothing to do with the Murdoch trial, then it's not going to impact the motion for new trial. If this has to do with something completely different, we just don't know yet. But the timing is odd to me. The connection between the two of them is odd to me, but it might be a part of something. It might be a part of something else, or it might be a part of this. We just don't know. But if it's not a part of Murdoch at all, if this is completely other stuff going on with the county, then no, it should not affect the motion for new trial. The motion for new trial is only impacted by the things that the clerk did with regard to this jury. Chris Bowman asked, did Clerk Becky voluntarily give her phone to SLED or was it taken via a warrant? All the reports indicate it was taken via a warrant. I'm going to reach out to Becky Hill's attorney. As I am recording this, it is the night before Murdoch is sentenced on his most recent plea deal. So those attorneys are going to be in court tomorrow for victim impact statements. But I am going to ask to see if they have anything to say. But it was taken via a search warrant. Emily Zelko. If Becky Hill's phone gets turned over in another investigation, is there any way Jim and Poot can get their hands on it legally? Not unless they are a part of this case or if it's connected and it has to be turned over because it's connected. If it's completely unrelated, then there shouldn't be any way that they get their hands on it unless they become part of that case as well. Camper for Life asked, why would Sled get a warrant for Becky's phone, although not sure if it's personal or professional phone of hers? It does say she had to turn over her cell phone. It did not specify whether it was a work phone or personal phone or phone used for both. There would have to have been some probable cause for a judge to sign a warrant to turn it over. So we'll see. I, I'm, I'm waiting for more information on this um, immediately. This case was already transferred out of Calton County. I need to know what's happening. I need more information. I am, I need more information. 
Jess says, what do you think the likelihood is that Becky will get fired, not reelected because of this? Well, she's an elected official. Um, I don't even know if there's a process to recall clerk, court clerks, clerks of court. Uh, but it depends on what happens. If at the end of the day, Becky Hill is vindicated and this was Dick and Poot coming after her um, because they were doing everything they could to get Murdaugh cleared of these murder convictions or at least get a new trial for these murder con murder convictions, then I don't think it's going to necessarily affect her be re being reelected if she seeks reelection. That's not to say if there's an issue, if her son is convicted of wiretapping as the head of the IT department, that could also cause some elector mistrust if that happens down the road. So it's really going to depend on what happens next, how the electors feel. If they feel that she's being attacked by um, Dick and Jim, then I think that that might not impact a re-election as much as if if a new trial is granted because of something she did. I think that's going to be a much bigger problem. Of course, in the course of all of this, could she choose to step down? Yes. Could they remove her? I think that would be much more difficult. And with that, y'all, I'm going to say it. I hope you had a good holidays. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a lawnard. I'm thankful for you. I, I say every episode, may your families be well, and yet mine was was sniffly and under the weather this holidays, but I guess better than right when they got back to school, I suppose. So with all of that, Lonard, may your Wi-Fi be strong, may your toilet paper be plentiful, may your family be well, and may the odds be ever in your favor. I will talk to you in the next one. Let me know what you thought of this episode in the comments down below. Do we need to follow this? Like, even if it's not related to Murdoch, we're just in, right? Like, we've just moved to South Carolina. It's beautiful there. We've just moved to South Carolina. We're just in, right? You let me know what you think. And I'll see you in the next one. You can stay up to date with everything I'm covering on our free iOS and Android app at lawnerdapp.com or search your app store for Lawnerd. And you can also follow me on social media at the Emily D. Baker. Remember, I stream on YouTube on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I recap all of that for you in quick bits on Monday. And of course, The Emily Show drops on Wednesdays. Thanks for being a Lawnerd.